Welcome, friends, to the Generations Broadcast. Kevin Swanson, your host with you. Bill Jack from Worldview Academy with me as well on this edition. And we're going to hit a little bit of pop culture on this edition way back in the late 1970s. I think it's 1979. It came upon Amy Grant's uh, album in a Christian bookstore. And never seen her, never met her. Uh, I was backstage with Phil Keggy, Randy Stonehill, a time or two in the 1980s, I was doing some disc jockey work for CCM stations, and but never met Amy Grant. Now, one thing I did notice, Bill, was they're not all cut out of the same cloth. So you got to be careful that you don't do any sweeping generalizations. I mean, that that that's not the kind of thing that Christians need to be doing. Nevertheless, we have to be discerning. Right. And now Amy Grant's in the news again where she's hosting a same-sex faux wedding for her niece. niece. That's it, right. And she summarized the Christian faith for a left-leaning newspaper. I think it was a pro-homosexual newspaper or media source. She says, uh, Jesus, you just narrow it down to two things, love God, love each other. I mean, it's that pretty simple. She says, uh, what a gift to our whole family to just widen the experience of our whole family for this uh, same-sex wedding, faux wedding that they're going to do. Here's something else she said on Proud Radio. This is just last year, by the way. This is Amy Grant, Proud Radio, last year. She said, gay, straight, it does not matter. Okay, so that's it. That's, uh, That's where she is today. And uh, she's, you know, been working in this direction for quite some time. And I think this is another major step for Amy Grant in the direction of what I would call apostasy, moral apostasy, an undermining of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because Jesus came to save us from our sins. Right. And if sin is defined as a violation of the law of God, transgression of God's law, antinomianism, if, if that be the case, you know, then... Jesus came to save us from it, not to promote it. And that's precisely what she's doing as a Christian leader. Don't minimize what she's doing here. Right. And, and we have to realize that it, it's a step at a time. And it's, it's like, you know, how do you need, eat an elephant one bite at a time? How do you become apostate? It's just one slip theologically at a time. It's just one step away from God's word is the authority. One small step at a time until you have you're you're lost in the woods. Pop culture is the the, the the religious leadership of the day, and and when your leaders, no, no, I I would say that you go back two hundred years, you're not going to see popular singers being the spiritual leaders of the communities throughout America, the UK, Germany, France, etc. No, it was pastors and parents, but now popular singers, popular artists are the the leaders. And so, you know, they're, when they're when, when Larry Norman shows up and he marries Randy Stonehill's wife, they're divorced 10 years later. He fathers a child out of wedlock per World Magazine, and Randy Stonehill's been married 3 times and uh two marriages end in divorce. Amy Grant was divorced and now she's embracing homosexual faux marriage friends this is a disaster this is a dis- and and these are leaders they are de facto leaders i think sometimes guys like you and me will say something like well i mean come on who in the world would believe them who would follow them 
Many we scoff people. at these squishy statements. Who in the right mind would would follow these people? Well, turns out there are millions that buy their albums and consider them great spiritual leaders. So I, I think they do have an impact, Bill. Right, right. They're the they're the thought leaders. They they carry the water of the culture into the church and pour it into the communion cup. Amy Grant is the best-selling CCM artist of all time. She went platinum five times over with Heart in Motion, three times over Home for Christmas, two times over House of Love, and I can't count how many platinum albums she wound up with. The second most well-sold CCM artist of all time is Kirk Franklin. Kirk is number two in terms of platinum albums and uh, God's Property from Kirk uh, Franklin's New Nation, 1997. Kirk Franklin on abortion recently said, I still believe that I do not have a right to force a woman to do anything with her body. Not exactly sure, but I mean, what, he, what he's saying in the context was, you know, I mean, she wants to have an abortion, so be it. Well, so that's it, his he, attitude. Just substitute uh, drug addiction. Just tr- substitute prostitution for, I don't think I have a right to force a woman not to be a prostitute or not to right. sell her body. I don't think I have a right to Sa- force same a woman kind of, same to kind of not use. Yeah, yeah so yeah. it's the same logic. Bad, bad logic. Uh, Kirk Franklin also recently uh, commended on Queer T.Y., Queer T, for his, it's a pro-homosexual outlet. Kirk Franklin, the second most popular artist uh, in terms of platinum albums, Comments on homosexuality he said God is about grace and love, and the Bible's not a book that's attack on gay people or a book written to attack gay people. It's horrible that we have made it where the Bible's a homophobic manual. A lot of people that maybe profess Christianity they don't understand the biology of homosexuality, and so they want to find a scripture to try to justify their own homophobic views. And what is he saying? He's saying people are born homosexual, so get out of their hair, let them do whatever they want to do. Yeah. So again, this is Kirk Franklin, this is the leaders of CCM. Uh, leading millions of young people to a endorsement of homosexuality. Lauren Daigle is now the third most popular Christian singer of all time. Uh, she was asked about homosexuality, if it was a sin. She said, I can't honestly answer that. I don't know. I actually had a conversation with someone last night about it. I can't say one way or the other, I'm not God. So she's going to be ambivalent on it as well. This is just squishification. This is an unwillingness to come face-to-face with, uh, with sin. With God's law, the application of God's law to social issues and to the major sins of the day and, and to take a stand for the gospel of Jesus Christ. These people deny the gospel. That's what's happening here, Bill. Absolutely. It's, it's, we just are all about love. Love is love, as the statement goes. Well, the question is, well, what do you mean by love? And you go to, you go to Romans 13 and verse 8. It says, oh, nothing to any man except love one another. And then it lists for the Ten Commandments. Love is not a squishy feeling. It's an act of the will based on a standard, and that's God's word. So if you abandon God's word, you end up in this emotional sea. And speaking of this emotional sea, my uh, children have mentioned that on Facebook. You know, people who've been sort of just uh, marinating in this worldview, the Lauren Daigle, Amy Grant, Kirk Franklin worldview, they... They they're becoming more and more acceptant. You follow me here? Yeah. In fact, they use this term. I don't know if you've seen this before, where they're not homosexuals themselves, but they have friends, and so here's what they say: "I accept you for who you are." They use this this phrase: "I accept you now. Yeah. I accept you yeah. now." Of course, you know that that's your typical demonic phrase. And why do I say that? Well, it's obfuscated. 
right? I mean, what does that mean? I accept you as a human being. I accept you in the sense that I'm not going to do anything violent to you. I accept you in that, uh, you know, I'm willing to be friendly and to love you and to pray for you. Okay, I get that. Right. But what they're saying, what are they really saying, Bill? They're I saying, accept I accept your, your sin. Your actions. Yeah. Let's face it. That's what they're yeah. saying. They, they won't step up to the microphone and say it. But more and more, friends, this is what the squishification from Amy Grant is doing to the nation. It's doing to the millennial generation. They're accepting homosexual lifestyles. They're accepting sin. That's what they're doing. They're not just accepting these people as made in the image of God and uh, should be treated that way and, and loved and being concerned for and, and prayed for, et cetera, et cetera. No, no. They're talking about accepting their sin. That's what it's all about now. And so this is the rejection of Jesus. This is a rejection of the lordship of Jesus. It's a rejection of God's law. It's a rejection of all righteousness. It's a rejection of the word of God. It's a rejection of the the atoning work of Jesus Christ on the cross to save us from our sins, to cleanse us from the sin of homosexuality. It's a rejection of everything that's Christian. Be back with more in just a moment on the Generations Broadcast. What happens when a culture that was established and guided by biblical principles abandons the faith and seeks to live by its own wisdom? In his latest groundbreaking work, Epic, The Rise and Fall of the West, Kevin Swanson unfolds the dramatic history of Western civilization, highlighting the phenomenal impact that Jesus Christ and his people have had upon the thought, culture, and institutions of the Christian West as well as tracing the slow but devastating decline of Western civilization and the key factors that have led to our spectacular fall over the centuries. A sobering narrative of gospel hope, this book urges its reader to greater fervency in the work of discipleship and the development of an international vision for the church. This is truly a must-read for any Christian seeking to understand the times and seasons in which we live You can claim your hardcover copy of Epic, The Rise and Fall of the West by visiting generations.org slash store today. That's generations.org slash store. And we are back on the Generations broadcast. Kevin Swanson with you as we consider the CCM stars. And Bill... The kingdom of heaven is not built for stardom. <laughs> there's only one star. There, there's no, yeah, there's only one star. <laughs> yeah. there, there's, there's no hierarchy either in the church of Jesus Christ. No. Nobody gets to be the famous guy. There is only one who is famous, and that yeah. is the king of kings and lord of lords, the Lord Jesus Christ. Even when he was here, he eschewed fame. You right. notice that throughout. He would always kind of go back undercover. Don't tell anybody I just did this. Right. And And where did he appear? Did he appear in the halls of power? No, no, no. Bethlehem. Yeah. Yeah. And then off to Nazareth, you know, no place Nazareth. Now, in terms of Christian musicians, let me just say this. We pointed out that the CCM as a genre has, has taken the wrong direction more often than not. But there are longstanding Christian musicians who haven't gone over the edge. Over the years, Michael Card, Phil Keggy, Fernando Ortega, Nathan Clark George. I mean, I, I, I've met three of these guys at various conferences. I was with Michael Card at a Worldview conference on the East Coast at one point. And he did a little concert thing, and then I did my thing. And 
so I mean, you know, there's been there's been guys. Michael Card wrote El Shaddai for Amy Grant in the 1980s. I think it was early 1980s, and and then that song made it into hymn books, yeah. and and Christians have been singing that for a while. But uh, but here's the point I want to make: they are not very famous. And in fact, I've talked to these musicians and say that they say, well, there's a lot of trades that are made as you work your way into the hierarchy of popular music. You got to trade something away in order to, you know, you might have standards, musical standards or some other standards, I mean, perhaps in terms of your lyrics or your positions you're taking on certain ethical issues of the day, but you're going to have to compromise them. You're going to have to, right. you're going to have to trade it away. Now, Fame corrupts, and absolute fame corrupts absolutely. When you're trying to displace God, right. is, that, that's probably the best place to put it. That the devil will promise you that he will make you famous. The devil went down to Georgia looking for a soul to steal. Think of Charlie Daniels, right? Mm-hmm. Well, there's this Faustus exchange that has happened throughout history. People really do sell their souls to the devil for fame. Niccolo Paganini, very interesting violinist, probably the first international superstar of the violin, the early 1700, I'm going to say, people wondered, actually, I'm saying close to the 1800s, right? Uh, people wondered, could the brilliance of this eccentric, odd-looking man possibly be natural? Or do you have some kind of diabolical help in all of this? This is a quote from him, by the way. You find these, this quote in a number of places online. One in the audience of Vienna had distinctly seen, while I was playing my variations, the devil at my elbow, directing my arm and guiding my bow. My resemblance to the devil has a proof of my origin. Okay, quote, unquote. That's Paganini. So he had the reputation as being one of the early musicians that made the trade. And we, you know, we also did, had a segment on Jerry Lee Lewis on that when he passed away a couple months ago, right. where we played that discussion he had with Sam Phillips uh, as he was uh, recording. He spoke, the devil is in me. And he said, I'm not a Christian because the devil is in me. So that. He, he confessed that. It's interesting he had a lot of spiritual language. He, he was raised in a Pentecostal background, so he understood something of the Bible, but he admitted to that. There's also a questionable interview from Bob Dylan online, which we won't go to, but uh, Rolling Stone's as well opening song of Beggar's Banquet was Sympathy for the Devil. Keith Richards told Rolling Stone magazine, some people saw them as acting as unknown agents of Lucifer while others think we are Lucifer, so sort of tongue-in-cheek. There was sometimes a little bit of a playing with it amongst the hard rockers of the 1970s. Well, I mean, uh, the Beatles said we're more popular than Jesus They, just, they said that as yeah. well, that's right. Then you got Jay-Z, who stated in the past that he's part of a group of people that worships, quote, our true Lord Satan. According to Jay-Z, the group believes that God created Lucifer to the bearer of truth and light, and that, quote, Jesus never existed. So, uh, and Jay-Z is another billionaire, another big shot in popular music. Well, uh, here's my point. My point is that it's hard to know, right, what's happening in the back behind the scenes. But one thing we know is the devil can give gifts as God sovereignly allows that sort of thing to happen. And uh, you think of Pharaoh's magicians who were pretty good at turning sticks into serpents. It's always a counterfeit. Sure. It's always a counterfeit. Sure. And in fact, I've done extensive research on the uh the bolshevik revolution and uh alexandra and the uh, entire romanov dynasty that that came down because of a strange magi- magician Rasputin. uh who made his way down from siberia 
And he was a healer. He was able to heal. Now, the temporary healings for the little boy with hemophilia. This is mm-hmm. the son of the Romanovs. And, uh, but, but it's, you know, she was so superstitious, she was pulled into it. And Rasputin had a tremendous power over Alexandra. So if you read the story, it's very interesting that, uh, that these guys had a tremendous amount of, of power, uh, at least you know, in terms of what we would consider to be powerful, not, not in terms of what Jesus does, but in terms of what the demons can do. And, uh, and they had power over Alexandra and, and, and her husband as well. And I think that was a very important part of the breakdown of the dynasty. Well, but, uh, it's, it's, it's the ultimate sin that fuels all this. And it's our pride that leads us to want to become famous. And, and I'm, I'm reminded of the 1980s, the lyrics to fame, which was turned into a movie and then a TV series. I'm going to make it to heaven, light up the sky like a flame. I'm going to live forever. Baby, remember my name. Yeah. Everybody wants to be remembered. Yeah. And everybody wants to be famous. That's the problem. It's our pride. Mm -hmm. And we can become like God is yeah. what we want. And In, instead of receiving the truth that God has made us in his image, right. Jesus has given us a legacy that's only in him. Right. And our relationship with him enables us to live forever, but uh, but only to give him the glory and the praise and the honor, not to re- grab it for ourselves, which yeah. is what fame what's, is attempting to do. What's the best self-image? It's no self-image. We're to have the image of Christ. We are to die to ourselves and give ourselves to God. So this whole fame and lust for power and fame is based on pride, and it's based on the deceitfulness of riches, the pride of life. That's what Scripture tells us. And so humility is what we need. We need to recognize that we are the created being, not the creator. I was thinking of the first temptation in the wilderness, in, in the garden, yeah. not in the wilderness, but in the garden. And you the serpent says, you shall be as gods. Yeah. And, and the temptation to power, the t- ten, temptation to ascendance, to act as God, to pretend to be God is huge, huge. It's, I would say, the most powerful tempting influence upon a human being. Sure. I don't think it, I think it's way beyond sexuality. I think this is the high level, the highest level, and people will trade their souls for it, my friends, when it comes to power. And so, therefore, when we think about popular singers, we think about being popular, powerful, like these great singers of the day, this, the, the Nephilim of the present day, we need to be very, very cautious, very, very, very cautious. Part of being a god is to determine ethics for oneself instead of just submitting to the word of God, and that, of course, is happening as well. We have to be okay also with becoming the offscouring of the world. Now, here's the word for Amy Grant, James 4.4, 4. adulterers, adulteresses. Now, listen. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enemy with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. If your Wikipedia page doesn't include some negative stuff, there's probably something wrong with you as a Christian. <laughs> I'm telling you. Now, of course, it's, it's possible to, to have some negative stuff that's actually true. You're, you're breaking God's laws and you're doing some bad things and other people are recording those actions. I get that. First Peter 2 and verse 20 says, what credit is it if when you're beaten for your faults, you take it patiently, but when you do good and suffer, you take it patiently. This is the commendable before God, for to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, 
leaving an example that you should follow in his steps. And that's what Jesus said. Blessed are those who've been persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You will be hated by all because of my name, Amy Grant, but it is the one who has endured to the end who will be saved. John 15, verse 20, remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they keep my word, they will keep yours also. So, Brothers and sisters in Christ might give you a hard time. That happens. Receive a rebuke from a friend. We might suffer because of our own sinful faults that reside within ourselves. But the world is going to persecute Christians, primarily for their stand on God's laws, right? Romans, Matthew chapter 5 says that we are persecuted for righteousness' sake. What does that mean? That doesn't mean that you're standing up in the university classroom saying, I'm just here to say that, you know, it's all about love. God loves you, has a wonderful plan for everybody's life. So it doesn't matter who you love. Just love whoever you want to. God loves you. Thank you very much. What would happen? They'd probably get a standing applause for something like that. exactly. But what if you stood up and said, you know what? We're all sinners here, and we violate God's laws all the time. And one of the big violations of God's laws is when we we, uh, break God's laws in terms of sexuality, whether it be uh, having heterosexual sex outside of marriage or homosexual sex. Either way, uh, we are sinners against God, and uh, unless we repent, we will go to hell. You say something like that in the university classroom, probably not going to get a standing applause for that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. So, again, it comes down to who's who's got the authority, who has jurisdiction, and it's a question of it's not me. It's not. It's it's. I I can't sit and shake my fist in the face of the Almighty. I can't assume to rise to His position. I can't make myself God. And Bill, let's face it, there are points at which we do gain some ascendance in the corporate structure, right? in terms of culture and arts, in terms of acting, and in terms of whatever it is. I mean, think about the actors that sort of made it in Hollywood for about you know two and a half years. And then they were pressed with a question, what's your position on LGBT, you know, they're they're pressed with that. The world seeks them out to to to, to push them into the corner, to ask them a question. It's not putting just the, acceptance. Putting it's, the gun to the head, more I'm or less. A, I must affirm. Oh yeah. yeah, it's not accept. It's affirm. It's affirm. And so so there they are, and it's that moment of testing at which they will either say, "I'm going to throw all that fame to the wind, and I am going to be faithful to my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ." I will pursue the cause of righteousness, and and uh, come what may, I will receive the persecution that comes with it. So be it. And then there are those who will say, oh, now, wait a minute. I, I just can't give it all up. I can't give up that fame. Right. I can't I give up that fortune. I've, I've worked too hard to reach this position. So the question for every one of us is, what are you going to do? As, as you are tested, whether it be in the corporate world or whether it be in culture, media, or in the church, when you're tested, when push comes to shove, are you going to stand for Jesus? Are you going to stand for his law? Are you going to stand for righteousness or not? That's the question for every one of us. And uh, by God's grace, by God's grace, we will take the stand and we will take the fall. Whatever happens, we're willing to give it all up. Jesus said, you got to hate your own life if you're going to follow me. You're going to have to hate your own life every aspect of your own life here and now, if you're going to follow me, you have to be willing to give up your life uh, to save it. Well, that's what Jesus gave to us. And I think we need to count the cost and then deny ourselves and then take up the cross and, and follow him and do that every day. Well, 
That wraps up this edition of the Generations Broadcast, my friends. I'd encourage you to epoch the rise and fall of the West to get a better sense for what is happening with the rise and fall of Christian culture, the rise and fall of the Christian church in the Western world. And it is a decline. It's not an entire fall, but things are coming down right now in terms of the Christian church in America. We're at that point right now where we are following what has happened already in England, Germany, and France. That's happening right now here in the United States. Get a copy of Epoch, The Rise and Fall of the West, available at Generation.org. This is Kevin Swanson and Bill Jack inviting you back again next time as we continue to lay down a vision for the next generation. 